0: So here we are, the afternoon of Thursday, January 7th, 2021, and trying to make sense of what we witnessed yesterday, and also knowing that as you watch this, it's Sunday, and trying to sort through all of that. So on Wednesday morning, my wife called me and she said, do you know what's happening at the Capitol? And I said no, because I had basically focused myself in on writing my sermon for today, for the being able to share God's word with all of you on the camera. And she started telling me what was happening, but I also knew that, that if I started watching it, I was going to get, I'm going to lose my train of thought and that I really needed to get through the sermon. And so I finished my sermon, finished a couple other things, and then turned on and looked at the internet to see what was happening in Washington, DC. And as many of you have seen, as many of you have watched, it was like something I had never seen before here in the United States. Now we have seen looting, and we have seen damage, and we have lamented the loss of of, of people's lives, and of so much that happened, and even in this last year of the damage that was wrought in in our own society. But to see it in our nation's capital was truly different. And I honestly didn't have words. If you received the email that I sent out, I borrowed a prayer from the. Episcopalian's Book of Prayer, because I didn't quite have words to put to what I was feeling. And I find myself still at this place, and, and this is where it is very strange, I have to admit, the process of preparing to preach a sermon that is pre recorded. So, like I said, here we sit, Thursday afternoon, 24 hours, what we witnessed on Wednesday. And me, in a way, trying to think through, how do I rewrite? What do I rewrite? What looks different? Because here's the strange thing. When I planned this sermon series back in November, I was planning on preaching from Psalm 2. I wanted to talk about the issue of faith and politics. And I had no idea what was going to transpire. And so I found myself rethinking and rewriting the sermon I had already completed and and in my own mind saying, I've got to change the title of this sermon because originally I had entitled this sermon, God Laughs. Now in our text, there actually is a place where God laughs. But I thought that can't be the focus of today. That can't be the focus of this week. And what we need to consider is how is God our refuge? And, and, and I don't know what will be going on on Sunday morning or Sunday afternoon when you're watching or listening to this sermon. But one thing that God has made clear to me in the last couple of weeks, particularly as I thought through what do I want 2021 to look like, is I keep hearing God say, just be faithful in the small things years ago, I was at a conference where John Ortberg was interviewing Dallas Willard and and Willard is just this was a genius of a man and wrote a number of books. And, and Ortberg asked him the question, how do we, how do we keep growing spiritually? How do we know we're growing spiritually? And Willard sat there for a moment and then he just made this very simple statement that I've shared before. So do you want to make sure you're growing spiritually, you just need to do the next right thing. And for me, that's what I'm working on in 2021. Uh, Craig Barnes has a book that I was reading recently, and he said, we need to live with more expectancy and with less of a sense of expectations. And, and, and what he was driving at, he was saying, you know, sometimes our expectations get in the way, but if we live expectantly, waiting for God to show up in the moment, that's what we need, really need to be concerned about. The Apostle Paul, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, puts it like this. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And I love this verse because what it's getting at is it's saying, just do the next right thing. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. Just do that and watch and see how God will show up in that. And so that's what I'm hopeful for today. Like I said, it's Thursday afternoon. I don't know what's going to happen between today and Sunday. No one does. But what I know is here and now today, I want to be faithful to God's word. And when I think about whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is praiseworthy, whatever is admirable, I think I think I look to God's word to find that. And so today we want to look at Psalm 2. This psalm about the nations, this psalm about the people plotting And we want to consider what these words might have to say to us as we consider our own faith in the midst of the world that we are living in. So here's what we read. Why do the nations conspire and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. He rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. I will proclaim the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Ask me and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. You will break them with a rod of iron. You will dash them to pieces like pottery. Therefore, you kings, be wise. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and celebrate his rule with trembling. Kiss his son or he will be angry. And your way will lead to your destruction. For his wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. If you look at Psalm 1 and you look at Psalm 2, they really go together. Psalm 1 describes the importance of us being attentive to God's word. And Psalm 2 says, describes the importance of allowing God to rule or reign in our lives. The blessed life is a life that's attentive to what God is saying and allows God to rule over our lives. So in January and February, we're looking at the psalms. We're talking about these songs that the people of Israel would sing. And this psalm, Psalm 2, is a coronation psalm. It's about the king coming into power, but it's also about the nation's raging against the new kingdom. It's, it's talking about Israel and the new king that Israel is going to have and how the nations are, are conspiring against Israel. And God, again, reminds us of saying that he will put his own king on the throne. That there is this sense that, that, that even in our own lives, that, 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 that we need to allow Christ, the Messiah, to be on the throne. But the rulers of the nations refuse to see God for who God is. They are like, God, you be God, I'll be me. You do you, God, I'll do me. They want to see God as perhaps maybe a consultant, but certainly not as the living king. And so there is this struggle, and the nations, as we read about, conspire and the people plot. And the amazing thing is this was written over 2,000 years ago, and nothing has changed. The nations still conspire. The people still plot in vain. And sometimes we wonder, God, when are you going to come? When are you going to fix all of that? And then what's, what's really interesting is in verse 4. As all of this is going on, we read, The one enthroned in heaven laughs. And, and, and it's interesting to me to think about the idea that God would laugh. That God would chuckle, perhaps. That God would scoff. And why does he laugh? God laughs because he's, he's saying, and what we're hearing is, God's got the plan. The leaders of the nations don't have the plan. The people plotting in vain don't have the plan. God is the one who has the good And perfect plan. And God says, my son will reign from Zion. He'll reign from Jerusalem. God says, there is one who is coming, who will rule over the nations. You see, part of the problem we have is that we think that our government or our political party or our person will save us. But what Scripture says is only God can save. And so God laughs when the leaders conspire, when they think that somehow they're bigger or better or wiser than God. Now, when it comes to us, I don't find myself laughing after what I've watched this last week. I am troubled. But what this text also says to me is that even the troubles that I carry, I can't let those overwhelm me. That that I can't carry those things in such a heavy way that I can no longer move out in faith. And Psalm 2 tells us this great and amazing news in verse 2 of saying, God has placed his anointed. That's the word Messiah. I mean, it's fascinating in in Psalm chapter 2. We are seeing image after image after image of Jesus. We see him as the anointed. We see him as the king. We see him as the son. And God's saying there's a true king who longs for our allegiance, who longs to be in relationship with us. And we live in a society that that crowns all sorts of people as kings and queens that that say you are so popular or you're TikTok famous or your Instagram has this many followers or you have this many people on your Twitter feed and and all this sort of stuff and we crown them as kings or we crown them as queens and and look up to them and admire them. And God just kind of chuckles. I think God also laments that, that. That we don't see God for who God truly is. And so God says, the one who is coming, the anointed one, the one who you really need to focus on, will end up being very different than you ever expected. Because it's fascinating that Psalm 2 is pointing us to what we've just been talking about during Advent and Christmas. It's pointing us to the Son, to the anointed one. But instead of coming in power like we might have anticipated or the people anticipated, he comes to serve. He comes to take up the towel and serve others. Instead of choosing high and mighty and powerful people to be his disciples, he chooses a bunch of guys that no one had ever heard of. And instead of yelling and screaming, he says, we need to come alongside our neighbors and to love them and care for them. This is the sort of king we should be expecting. So I think Psalm 2 serves as sort of a warning. It serves as a warning to us of saying, are we spending more time in our newsfeed than we are actually reading God's word? I mean, we live in this society. I, I was really proud of myself that on Wednesday morning I was able to just shut everything off for a couple hours and do the work that I needed to do. But 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 our society, we are inundated by our newsfeeds. And I don't care if you listen to CNN or watch CNN or Fox or MSNBC or Facebook or what it is. But what we have to be careful of is whatever is in our newsfeed. is it just like an echo chamber? Saying the very same things that we already believe. I think one of the things that 2020 taught me was I've got to learn to listen for other voices not just the voices that I like to listen to, because I still enjoy listening to those voices, but listening for other voices that I don't listen to for, or I don't listen for as often. And so Psalm 2 is, is pushing us and warning us that, that we need to be careful, that these leaders and the people who, who plot in vain, that, that we can easily become like this. that we can use our words as weapons, that we can become more worried about power or who's in power than thinking about how does the gospel really want us to live? Because if we are spending more time reading other voices and listening for other voices rather than God's voice, the prism that we see the wor- the prism, not prison, the prism that we see the world through is going to be very different whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right. Think about these things. That's how the apostle Paul puts it. And so that's why I'm convinced that we need to be in God's word. That we need to take refuge in God. We don't take our refuge in a political party. We have to come back to the basics and to take our refuge in in God. I want to read Romans chapter 5, and and, uh, as I read it, it may not make sense as to why I'm reading it, but I'll come back to that and and let you know why. But Romans 5 says this, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, character, hope, and hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. Verse 2 says, we have, well, verse 1 says, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And verse 2 through whom we have gained access by faith. And that's a phrase that actually has a visual image that goes with it. And I think, when I think about what God is our refuge is all about, it's a great image. So this access that we have received because of Jesus Christ, it's the idea of a ship coming into harbor, a ship that has been out at sea, and then has been brought into a safe place, a place of refuge. And when I think about our lives, this is really what God offers for us. He says, I want to bring you into a place of refuge. I want you to recognize me for who I am. I want to bring you into a safe harbor as, as As Paul described it, Psalm 2 says, make God your refuge. But here's the point, and here's when it comes to saying, well, then what do we do with that? Because I don't think we get brought into a safe place, into this safe harbor, to stay there forever. What I think about is God brings us in to be a part of his family, his group of faith, his community, this safe harbor. But then... We are sent back out. And, and what I want to suggest for us as we move into 2021, and I know there's all sorts of uncertainty, and, and people are uncomfortable, and there's lots of anxiety, and there's lots of language that, that is difficult for us to deal with. And, and I don't care if you're a Democrat or Republican or Independent, where you fall on any of that. First and foremost, we are followers of Jesus, that we need to remember that, that we get brought into this place of refuge. But then I think we get sent out. I think this is the way the gospel works. Jesus brings his disciples in, teaches them, and says, now go out there and make a difference. And I think sometimes, especially when we think about politics and how our faith interacts with that, we get so focused on the national level that we forget about the local level. A friend of mine said this to me many months ago. He said, you know what? If we're going to be concerned about politics, let's be concerned about politics on the local level. Because very little that we do will make a difference on the national scene. I thought those were really wise words. Because do you know what we can do to change the community of San Diego? If we decide that what we really want to be about is not making a point, but making a difference There's a huge no, notice that a lot of us are really good at making points. We like to write, we like to post stuff. We like to pontificate if you will. And we can make point after point after point of what's right and what's wrong and who people should be listening to and who they should be following. But are we really making a difference? Because I think when we make God our refuge, we become people who find a place of safety, who find a place where we're brought in out of the storm, but then who become a people who are sent out to make a difference in our society. So as I think about 2021, and I don't know where COVID's going. I don't know where we're going politically. I don't have any of the right answers. I think I have the right answers, but I know I don't. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. But what I do know is this. I can find refuge in God. I can, as verse 12 says, and I love how verse 12 describes, you know, this is the, the third way that the, the king is, is described. Verse 12 says, kiss God's son. Kiss the son. offer offer your loyalty and your obedience to the one who is the anointed to the one who is the king serve him well and so we learn from Jesus who hung out with his neighbors who talked to outcasts who tried to make a difference one person at a time. And if we want to make a difference, I think that's how we do it. So as we talk about the songs that we sing, let's remember to kiss the sun, to yield our lives to him, to figure out ways that we can make a difference, to live expectantly, to look for those whom we can help. For God has brought us in as a refuge. And we know that Christ will be with us forever. Kings and queens, presidents, senators, representatives, legislators, council members will come and go. But the word of the Lord will endure forever. Pray with me, please. Oh God, thank you for this day. Thank you that you are with us. And that even when we are uncertain of our future, you still have a plan. So God, may we yield our lives to you. May we draw strength from Jesus. May we find refuge in you. And Lord, may we be sent out to make a difference in our community. To love our neighbors just as Jesus loved his neighbors. We pray and ask, oh God, in your son's name, amen.